Well, I should get right into my sermon, but I just can't pass it up. Did the guys riding the bikes look like the hungriest people you've ever seen in your life? It's look, they look like they'd never eaten before. And I guess that's what bike riding does. And then, absolutely, I want to put the kibosh on the shopping link group. You already got a PhD in the subject. No more. I'm done with you. Where's that free dress again? All right. Anyway, we just got to get a couple of things out of the way right away, get business done so we can move on to the Word of God. Amen? How many of you doing good today? How many could do better? That's good. All right. That's, that's what we want. You know, as I was sitting there, I had this, uh, I had this vision of a, of a warm blanket that was just dropping over this house, and it was a blanket of healing. When I was a kid, we, we grew up in Denver, and uh, I had this old red blanket. You know how kids always have, like, you know, the dog, the bear, the blanket, or whatever, you know, and that's kind of their security thing. And I had this old red blanket, and it was so cold. It always seemed like it was cold when I was a kid. You know, I was like, turn on the heat. My dad's, he's Dutch. No, we're not turning on the heat. And uh, so when my mom would take the red blanket, and she would put it in the dryer, and she would get it really hot. You know, and for a few moments, she kind of took the chill off, and, and I, I had this picture of this red blanket, honestly, that was just laying down over uh, the congregation, and it was a blanket of healing. And I don't know if that applies to you, if that makes any sense to you at all, but that, that apart from being in that healing presence of God, it feels like you're cold and alone. And I just want you to know that like that blanket that becomes a security blanket, it becomes a comfort to you that God is your comforter and God is your warmth, God is your strength. And I just want you to receive that if, if it applies to you. If not, then uh, just move on with it. But uh, we're talking about reality. And I love this subject of reality. We've talked about a lot of things that uh, are different than probably you hear in church a lot. We've talked about quantum physics. We've talked about uh, light and speed and time and all those other kind of things. And reality is something that when we talk to people, they say, well, I just, uh, that's really not reality or just be real or whatever. But, but think about reality. We, we typically look at it from the five senses. We say, if I can see it and I can taste it and I can touch it and so on, then that becomes that which is real. And then if I can apply a scientific method to it, then that becomes reality. But, but the truth of the matter is that, that in the spiritual realm, there's something that goes beyond. It's not that it's not uh, tangible, but it's tangible in a different dimension. I want you to think about that because people ask me all the time, where is heaven? It's right here. I don't mean here on planet Earth. I mean it's another dimension. It's, it's the presence of, where is the presence of God? God is here. He's a very present help in time of trouble, as Scripture says, Psalm 42. And so when we think about it, God is ever-present. God is with us. And so this reality is, it's, it's doesn't, it's not, doesn't stop in the five senses. It goes beyond it into a deeper dimension where God wants us to, to engage him so that we experience the fullness of heaven on earth. And unless we move into that dimension, we're not going to experience or taste it or touch it. The Bible says that we don't look to the things which are seen, but we look to the things which are unseen. The things which are seen are temporal. The things that are unseen are eternal. So I love God whom I've never seen, and I don't have any doubt in my mind that I know him and I love him and that he's real because I'm operating in a different dimension that is the spiritual dimension of God. So as we talk about reality, I, I, I want you to kind of begin to think in terms of vision. 
Every person in this room has had a vision of something, something you wanted to be, something you could be, something that, that you just said if everything fell together, it would look like that. So we're, we're going to explore that today, and, and I want to begin with a quote from Ron Carpenter. He said this, today's decisions are tomorrow's reality. The things you're deciding to do or not do today are determining what you're going to experience tomorrow. Most days we go through life and we just kind of go with the, on the lazy river. We're just kind of floating down the lazy river. Whatever happens, happens. I go to work. I do my job. I come home. I eat dinner. And I go do the whole thing all over again. But God wants more for you than that. I want you to be conscious about decisions that you make that are going to affect not only you and your children, but your children's children and their children's children. So that it becomes generational in terms of your walk with God and the effect that it has on future generations. Because God wants to do something more than what he's doing right now in all of our lives. We may not know what it is, and that's okay. The important thing is that we get on the road to say, I want to understand that, experience that, and walk in that something more that God has for me. Because God did not create me for complacency. God did not create me for average. God created me for more than that. I am a divine creation of Almighty God. Every fiber of my being was designed by God to do something great for Him and to enjoy life in the process. That's the beauty of it all, that God wants you to be happy and fulfilled and, and fruitful in, in all things, and he will provide a way for us to do that. I want to give you something that I put together. I call stages of a vision. And we're going to get into the Word of God here in a minute, but I want you just to kind of think in terms of stages of a vision and where it begins. And I really begin, believe it begins with this idea of revelation, that we have to have some idea of where we want to go. We have to have something that reveals itself to us. It could be in a, a course of a casual conversation. We're talking to someone, and all of a sudden, they think you're distracted, but no, your mind just went into a vision of what could be. It could be that you're reading the Word of God, or you're praying, and all of a sudden, God speaks to you from that vision. It could be something you've been cultivating in your soul for a long time, and you think, what if, what if, and, and all of a sudden you decide finally you're going to break out of the what if and go for what God has shown you in your spirit. Next step is cultivation. And once you have some idea of, of this idea of uh, revelation, then you want of your vision, you have to cultivate it. You have to, just like if you're farming, you have to fertilize it, you have to water it, you have to protect it, you have to pull the weeds out of it. And, and over a lifetime, you're probably going to find that some of the visions that you have do not come to pass. And that's okay, because some of them you didn't need to be a part of. Some of them weren't God's design for you. Some of them, quite honestly, they failed because you lost interest in them. And that's okay. We're, we're gonna, we want to sort through all of this. This is kind of the guilt-free message on vision. Because the, the goal is to get us to vision. The goal is not to figure out what we did wrong, to figure out how we can move into something more that we all know is inside of us. The next one is cultivation, uh, after revelation, cultivation, and then we're going to go into exploration. And this is a really fun part, because now we begin to look at resources and think, okay, well, what could be, and, and uh, let me explore it. And I like to say it like this. This phrase always sticks with me, what is the miracle in your house? 
Let's start with this house, your being, this temple of God. What are the miracles in your house when you begin to think about your vision that if applied to that situation would bring about some amazing things? Because there's more in you than you think. We always look outside. Well, I don't have any money. I don't have any opportunity. I don't have any skill. I don't. No, 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 stop. What's inside of you? I've been reading the, the life of Leonardo da Vinci uh, recently, and, and as I read about it, he, they say that he threw away, according to his journal, he threw away more than 70 inventions that he didn't think were very good. I'm thinking, what did this guy throw away? I mean, he, he created the spiral staircase. He, I mean, he was, he was considered a universal genius. He had knowledge in every field of the arts and science. Think about that. The helicopter the guy invented. I mean, it's just amazing what he did. The machine gun goes back to Leonardo da Vinci, believe it or not. And you, you look at this, you think, well, what happened there? So God has got something inside of you that he wants to get out, some vision. You've thrown away some things like Leonardo that may have been the greatest idea in the world, but you said, I don't know. So you have to cultivate. I always look at what's in our house, the church. There are resources in this church here that if cultivated, if we said what's in the house, there's no telling who you could bless, what ministry you could launch, what life you could change because it's in you, it's in this house. Sometimes we'll see where people will come together in the house. They'll say they'll form business partnerships. They'll, they'll, one person will mentor another one into an idea, and you'll begin to see this cultivation going on all around you. But the next part is what we all love. This is the, the, the last one, or the next to last one, and it's called frustration. If you don't have frustration in your vision, you probably don't have a vision. Because every person has that experience where it didn't work. We used to keep a list of the 10 worst ideas we ever had, right? And then ask yourself, why were they bad? Could we have made them good? Is there anything to change? It's not a bad idea just to go back, reference them, not dwell on them, not get depressed about them, but go back and reference them, say, what can I learn from that experience that's going to help me in this future vision that I have uh, for myself? And then the last part is what we all love, and that's manifestation. When it comes to reality, it is so much fun. Um, and I think you need to, to think in terms of your, your vision, break it into chunks, so the best learning happens in 20-minute chunks. So you study for 20 minutes, you take a break. 20 minutes, take a break. If you're studying like three hours straight, you're going to learn more if you take 20 minutes break, 20 minutes break. Just brain research, okay? Well, the same thing's true when you're looking at vision. If you have a vision, break it down into some chunks so that you have some sense of accomplishment along the way. Because what happens is if you've got this lofty goal and vision out here and you say, I'm never going to get there. No, you're going to get there, but you're going to get there incrementally by setting something, going to the next one, going to the next one. Then you can pat yourself on the back once in a while. How are you doing in your vision? Good, I'm 10% there. That's better than being none. How about this one? I'm not even close. I'm only, I, I'm, I got another 90% to go. Well, that depresses me. Right? I want to know, am I getting somewhere in my vision? So as we begin to think about it, I want to, I want to start to uh, talk to you first about tunnel vision. So I did a little research because we use that, that metaphor all the time. You know, he has tunnel vision. Typically what that means is they don't see it from my perspective, right? But tunnel vision actually is an, a disorder of the eye where I lose peripheral vi uh, vision, which ha has happened to every driver in California. 
So you're driving down the road. You can't see over what's going on over here, so you change lanes. Well, think if it happens in the spiritual realm. All I'm seeing is what I've always seen. I'm looking out the front, but I don't see what's coming alongside of me. I don't see opportunities that are over here because they're a little bit, they're not in focus quite as much, but I know there's movement over there. I want you to become sensitive to where God is moving in your life in the peripheral vision. And this is really powerful. You're going to see it come to, to play. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. Story of a young boy named Samuel. He's uh, being mentored by Eli, this priest, who's not really good at what he does. He's really not faithful in the Lord. He's just not a good leader. Nothing good going on here in the household of, Le- uh, of Eli except for Samuel. So let me just read the story, and let me show you how it begins. Now, the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord. Did you know that you can minister to the Lord? We think about people ministering to us. We think about, about God ministering to us. Did you know you can minister to the Lord? You can go to the Lord and say, God, I just adore you. I bless you. And what you're doing is you're ministering unto the Lord. So here's, here's Samuel growing up in this household of Eli. He doesn't have a good leader mentor. And it says here, And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now, I want you to think about a couple of things. What it means is there was not a lot of people reading the word of God, talking the word of God, speaking the word of God. Rare. Now, you see the little phrase, those days? For those of you who want to kind of take the next step in your your Bible knowledge, that's a technical phrase. If you chase it through Scripture, you'll discover that when that phrase is used, it always will point you to the end of the age during the time, the last days on earth, those days. So one of the things you know here is that one of the characteristics in the last days will be people will, the Word of God will be rare. It will be absent from people's life. Then it goes on to say, and there were no frequent vision. And that word in the Hebrew there means to burst open, a vision that is an open vision that is bursting on the scene. And it says here that in that day of Samuel, the word of God was rare, and no one was really getting visions. Same thing's going to be true at the end of the age. It's going to be the word of God will be rare. There will be a lack of those bursting open visions. Okay, now let me tell the story. We're not going to read it. I'll just tell what happens from here. So Samuel's a young man, he's sleeping, and he hears, he hears his voice, Samuel, Samuel. He jumps up, he goes into Eli's room, and he says, Eli, what do you want? He said, I didn't call you, it was a dream, go back to sleep. He goes back to sleep, and he hears it again, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, he goes in there, here I am. He says, go back to sleep. Comes the third time, and Eli, takes him a little while, he says, I think it's the Lord. If you hear the voice again, say, yes, Lord, here I am. So what happens is on the third time, when he said, after the third time, he hears the voice. He says, Lord, here am I. And it's God calling him because why? He was ministering unto the Lord, and he was in the word of God, and God was giving him open visions. He was in the presence of God. When you get in the presence of God, God begins to show you things. Things you say, this is too good. I don't know where this came from. It must be the Lord. So great visions are revealed visions. I've talked to a lot of businessmen, a lot of people over time and people in ministry, and they will tell you, every one of them will tell you, most of the great ideas, the great visions, they didn't come from just cranking it out the hard way. They came when they were relaxed, and their emotions, their creativity, their spirit, their heart, their mind, 
all were functioning in a sense of freedom, and they began to see things. In fact, most great business deals are done on a napkin. They are. They're not done in the boardroom. They're done where two people get together and they say, you know, what if, what if we made this deal, this deal? Yeah, that sounds good. And they hand that napkin to the attorney to draw it up. I want you to know the great things that you're going to experience in life are going to come from the back of a napkin. Meaning that you're relaxed, you're hearing from God, God is working in your life, and you're seeing things you didn't see before. Now let me take it a little further in Samuel. Samuel chapter 3, now we're going to drop down to verse 19. And it says here that Samuel, what did he do? He grew, he grew, so what is he doing? He's maturing, he grew, and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Now just keep that scripture up for a moment, I want you to look at it. The word words there is the Hebrew word debar, and it's the equivalent of our word rima. A rima is a word revealed from the word by God. So it says here that Samuel, as he grew and the Lord was with him, whenever God spoke to him, he didn't let them fall to the ground. Sometimes God will tell you something, show you something, and you say, I will never forget that, but you do. If you don't want to let the words fall to the ground, when you get something, a little nudge from God, write it down. Do not trust your memory. Nobody else does. Right? Write it down. And then what you can do, if you keep a list of those, you can go back, and it may not be that it applies in that moment, but it'll apply later. So you don't want to lose track of how God has spoken to you. So he didn't let them fall to the ground. Now let's go to verse 21 and see what else happens here to the next verse. It says here, then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Now if you read the Bible slower and concentrate on what's happening here, you'll be focused more on words instead of just getting the gist of the message. The word Shiloh is, is an interesting word because it's connected with the return of Jesus Christ. It talks about when Shiloh returns. Okay? But it's also the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. That was, remember, the presence of God. So now let's look at it with that in mind. The Lord appeared again in the place of his presence, Shiloh. The Lord will always appear to you in the place of his presence. The Lord appeared in the place of the presence, for the Lord revealed himself. The revelation of God will come in the place of his presence. In Shiloh, when God says it twice, he wants you to get it. There's a reason. He's not being redundant there. He wants you to know this is important. By the word of the Lord. There it is again, Debar. God revealed a word where? In Shiloh, the place of his presence. By what? By the word. So God wants you to know, hey, Samuel, I'm speaking to you because I have something for you. Now, when you get in the middle of this receiving from God and thinking you're hearing from God and wondering if you're hearing from God, what's going to happen is the enemy's going to come in and he's going to try to fill up your field of vision. So if you keep looking at the enemy, the only thing you're going to see is the enemy. It's like people, I know people that every day they've got an excuse because the devil did something to them. Hey, I'm not discounting that he is evil and distracting. But I want you to know that when I came through the blood of Jesus Christ, all power and authority was given unto me, and I do not bow down to him. He bows down to me. Amen? 
And, and stop with the excuses. It may just be that you did something dumb. It wasn't the devil at all. Just learn from it and move on. Amen? That doesn't mean you don't put on the armor of God. It doesn't mean you don't walk in the Spirit, but you don't find excuses for not doing that which God has called you to do. Amen? All right, now watch this. We've got a word called division. Have you ever noticed this word? You see, a a division is divided vision. When you let the enemy or anybody else divide your vision, you have division, you can't stay focused, and then you lose interest. But I have so many opportunities. The, The Chinese word for opportunity is the word danger. Opportunities are your greatest danger. Because you can't focus on anything. You know what a real decision is? A real decision is when you don't have any other options. Everything else is opportunity. I have so many opportunities. We say that like it's a badge of honor. No, it's the worst thing that you can have. You want to have focus and determination to drive through that, that vision that you have because if you don't, everybody and their brother is going to try to divide your vision. And they'll say stuff like, well, I had that one time and it didn't work. Oh, I didn't know you were mentoring me. I didn't know that failure in a vision was my mentor. And we listen to those who fail in their vision to give us guidance for the future. What kind of mentor is that? Like people say, well, I was reading Job. Hey, I am not a disciple of Job. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Job doesn't set my tone. Jesus Christ sets my tone. Amen? Don't let anything divide you of where God wants to take you. Don't build a theology to explain tunnel vision. Well, you know, I just got to, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I don't know what's going on over here, you know. But what if God's moving over here? You got to keep your eye focused. And once you have that vision, stay the course. Stay on what God has for you. Bill Johnson wrote this. I thought it was really good. Without revelation of how God works. See, it's not only important to know that God has worked and is working, it's also important to know how does God work in my situation. The way he works in your situation is different than the way he works in my situation. How does God work in my situation? How does he get my attention? How does he take me to the next level? How, how, how? I want to know how God works. He says we can't reach out with faith and grab hold of the heavenly potential that is in the atmosphere all around us. How are you working? What am I seeing you're doing here, God? And the way God is going to work in your life is always going to be consistent with Scripture. If what you're thinking is not consistent with Scripture, stop thinking it. Because you're probably going to end up in the, wrong, in the wrong place. Amen? Now, Habakkuk talks about a recorded vision. Let's talk about that a minute. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verses uh, 2 and 3. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. You see how writing it down is important? Have you written down your vision? Write it down so that he may run who reads it. So you want to have such clarity. A guy says, I can run with that vision because it's so clear. It's right there. I, want, I can get behind that vision. Some of you are going to be vision casters and some of you are going to be vision followers. Both are important. Jesus was a vision caster. Hey, we're going to reach the whole world. I need 12 guys to come along with me. One of you is not going to make it, but 11 of you will, and we will change the world with 11 of you. 
He wasn't looking for 11 guys who wanted to cast a new vision. Are you hearing me? You see, the important thing is, are you behind a vision, a God-initiated vision that you can put your hand to and you can run after, and it has clarity, you can say, I get that. I know how that works. So it says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. So, you know, every time I get a vision, I want it now, don't you? Give me that vision now. I love Chick-fil-A. Anybody love Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A because I go up there and they say, what do you want? And I say, I want the spicy chicken sandwich with no bun. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's all you want? That's all I want. You got a credit card? I got a credit card. I swipe it there. I don't have talk, nobody. I drive up. They hand me a bag, spicy chicken with no bun. That's me. Thank you very much. Drive around the corner before I'm out of the parking lot. It's half gone. You know what I'm talking about? That's not God. I just want you to know that ain't how it works. You ain't going to go get the credit card, drive around the corner, and it's, your vision's half gone the time you get gone. No. God wants you to cultivate it because guess what? The most important thing is not that you get your vision. The most important thing is he gets you looking like your vision so that you can know when your vision comes it's from him. If you don't look like the vision you're trying to birth, hey, I don't know about you, but whether kids like it or not, they kind of look like their parents. Right? When I was growing up, I said, I will never look like those two. And every once in my wife looked at me and go, that looked just like your mother. I knew it was going to happen, knew it was going to happen. Guess what? You want to be birthing visions that look like your heavenly father. They go, I know who your daddy is. It's God. That's a God vision, right? Oh, you may look like that other guy that birthed you, you know, with the big ears and the long nose. No, 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 but I know who your daddy is. Your daddy's God. God had something, and you look like God in that situation. You're carrying out the stuff that looks like God in your life. Amen? All right, now, look what he says here. This next part is so good. I just saw this this week. Though it tarries, right, it's slow, Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now watch this. The word wait there is literally the word in the Hebrew, ambush. You know what most people do when they wait? I'm just waiting on the Lord, which usually means they're doing nothing. I'm doing nothing, waiting on the Lord. He's going to show up. There's going to be a euphoric cloud come over me and grab me and take me into the, some third heaven, and then I'm going to have it all work out. No, no, no. Wait means I'm serving God, but guess what? I'm going along, God, I'm just serving you, I'm ministering unto the Lord, and all of a sudden I get ambushed by a vision from God. God goes, wow, I, I just think God just spoke to me. Ambushed, I love that idea, ambushed by God. So there's three things that he tells us in this passage that we need to do. We need to write it, write down the vision. If you haven't written the vision down, write it down. You're gonna find out, you're gonna have to rewrite it a couple of times, you're gonna have to perfect it, you're gonna have to test it to see if it really is of God. You're going to have to believe it. Once you get to that place, you've got to go, I believe in my vision. If I woke up tomorrow morning and said I had a vision to play for the, uh, the NBA, I would know it was not right. Because heavy white guys who can't jump don't typically make it in the NBA. Right? Do you hear me? It's got to somehow align with your skills. If I got a vertical jump of an inch and a half, I ain't going to make it. 
I remember when we worked in Hollywood and, and with uh, Young Hollywood with our ministry there, and, and there were people that, you know, they had these great dreams, these great dreams of, of acting, and then we they send us a, a demo reel, and, and I look and I go, oh, you're going to be waiting tables a long time, I'm telling you, because you can't act. And the sad thing about it is some of those five, ten years later are still trying to make it an industry they don't have any skill in. Just because you got it in your mind doesn't mean it's matched up with your skill set. you got to have that in place too, right? Are you with me? Right? The greatest thing that we can do is tell our kids, you can't do anything you want to do in life. There's some things you're just not good at. If my daughter came to me and said, I want to be a math teacher, I'd say, flunk out now. You are not going to be a math teacher. She came to me, she said, Daddy, what do you think I should do? She got two degrees, or two, yeah, mastered in two things, and I, she said, uh, Daddy, what do you think I should do? One school teaching, one's communication. I said, you need a job where you can talk continuously. Because that's what you're really good at. If you can just say, what, you put, what do you want? I'm looking for a role I can just talk all the time. All right? Then the second thing is you need a, you need a job where you can just kind of get whatever you want. Because you've been really good at that. What job would that look like? I said, that's sales. And guess what she's done since she graduated? Sales. Her degree in childhood education, gone. Communication, she didn't even need a degree in that. She already mastered that one. Look at the natural bent and what's going on. It probably aligns back with your vision. Are you with me? Talk to me. All right. Aristotle, and you got to listen to your vision. Listen to your vision. i got to listen. What is it my vision saying? It will speak. Your visions will talk to you. you got to sit with them for a little while. That's how you get something out of the Word of God. Just sit with it. Don't read it and go, I got it. Sit with it. Let it speak to you. Listen to it. Let your vision speak to you. Aristotle said this way, the soul never thinks without a picture. That's good. Even from an old guy that's dead. Aristotle. When you get a picture of what that thing is, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have a vision conference in October. I'm so excited about it. Last year we had a prophetic conference. We did our live capture of our album. And, of course, you, many of you know our album went number one uh, worldwide and uh, number two billboard. And we're excited about it and what's going to, what all God's doing on it. But this year we're going to have a vision conference. So I'm going to show you a, a quick video. I'll talk to you a little bit about it, and then we'll move on from here. Watch the video. Let me talk to you a little bit about what's going to happen. So I've asked Matthew Barnett from the Dream Center LA. I want you to come, Matthew, and I want you to talk about having a vision for a city. Os Guinness. You might know that Guinness beer. That was his great-grandfather six generations back who almost single-handedly funded the entire movement of, of missions in China. His great, 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 great-grandfather. 
So much so that his parents were missionaries in China. He was born in China. He now heads up the Apologetic Center at Oxford University. He, and I've asked him to come speak on a vision for culture. He's one of the greatest spokesmen I've ever heard on this subject. Then we've asked our son Josh Hudson-Peller to come and speak about a vision for technology and talk about somebody got ambushed by a vision Started a church in San Diego, had an idea for a software company. Now he's had three software companies. Now he's got clients like GoPro, the United Nations, uh, Kaiser Hospital, you name it. In blindsided, there, he, there was stuff in him he didn't know was in him. Technology. I've asked Brock Shannon to come. He's our entertainment attorney, but he is an attorney for uh, almost virtually every um, Christian uh, label in America, I mean, in terms of bands, uh, Jesus Culture, Bethel Music, you just name it, on and on and on it goes. And then we've got, uh, who am I list missing here? Dominic Russo. Dominic Russo, One Nation One Day, had the idea of what could happen. Could we change a nation in a day? Went into Honduras, met with the pre- president of Honduras, believe it or not, got him to agree to four things. Uh, we want to come in. Uh, we want you to give us every stadium in the country free. We want you to let all of our cargo containers come in with no tax, no tariff on them whatsoever for humanitarian. Uh, We want you to give us three hours of state-sponsored time on the TV to advertise our event. And we want you to declare a national holiday so nobody has to work on this day. And we will change your nation in one day. And somehow they agreed to do it, believe it or not. Crime rate in Honduras was the highest of countries in the world, and after that, it went down to half. That was three years ago. It's still half. It hasn't gone back up. So uh, when we talk about vision to do things, we want you to know not only are you going to get captured by vision of people who are actually great visionaries, but you're going to help to be in an atmosphere where your visions are going to be birthed. You're going to see things that you never saw. If you, want, if you get around somebody who, who loves sports, you're going to get interested in sports. You get around somebody who's got an interest in vision, you're going to get an interest in vision. And you're going to start to see things. Spirit of God's going to show you things that you won't even believe what's up to. Let me, now let me get to this, this main point here, peripheral vision. This is what I think we need. We need the ability not only to see straight ahead. This is where our eyes are designed. They're actually designed with, with more molecules in the front than in the side so we can see greater gravity. It's like high def up here. And over here, it's like analog. But we know what's going on over here. Peripheral vision. So I went to uh, Revelation chapter 19, and I read this. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every time I testify of what God's doing, guess what? It becomes prophetic in my life. I say God can do this, and guess what? God begins to show up and do more things. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to be able to see things that others do not see. You see, your vision should be your vision. My vision is not your vision. You've got an individual vision. You might fall in line behind my vision or our vision as a church, but you're going to have an individual vision. You want to look for an uncommon future. You don't want to go through the routine and going, I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. You know, no, no, no. You want an uncommon future. You want to be able to look into the future and see things that nobody else sees and be able to live that out in your life. You see, success is not getting a lot of money. Success is finding out how you're wired and doing it to the point to where all your needs are met and you're having great joy in your life. That's success. You know, we've, been, we've, been, we've just kind of been fooled by this idea that success is prosperity. No, if you get rich in it, I'm happy for you. But guess what? You can be rich and not happy. 
What you want to say is, how's God wired me? What is that thing? If I can do that with all my energy and I look back on my life and I have a, have a good, bright feeling about myself, that's good. So vision will always birth provision. I got a great idea. People say, I like that idea. I'll fund that idea. I'll help you with that. I'll help lift that, move that, push that. I don't care whatever it is. I'll do that because provision always follows great vision. A few years ago, they, they, did a, they went into a senior adult living center where, and they interviewed 90-plus-year-old men, and they asked them one question. Any regrets? If you had your life to do over, what would you do different? Now, right now in your mind, you're, you're just, I want you to just get an idea of what you think they would say. And then I'm going to tell you that with something like 78% of them said, I would take greater risks in my life. In other words, they got to the end of life and they go, you know what? It was just kind of an uncommon life. I would have taken a greater risk. I'd have spoke to that person. I'd have started that business. I'd have done this. I'd have done that. What would that be? My wife... Um, always buys a fresh bunch of bananas every week. I love bananas, right? And so I'll get a banana every morning, get my coffee, go out and sit on the front porch and eat my banana and have my coffee. I bought these bananas, and uh, they look great, you know, and I had one a day, one, you know, one a day, banana a day. Isn't that what that commercial says? Ben Franklin said somebody, I don't know, keep the doctor away. Anyway, I, I got it mixed up on purpose Lighten up. So today I get the banana. It looks good. I peel it back and I go, oh, this banana's a little brown. Kind of been sitting there too long. She just bought them. And I looked at that banana. I thought, I'm going to eat you anyway. Yeah. Something Dutch in me said, I'm eating that banana. I don't care if it's brown. And then... Then God brought to me that scripture, without a vision, the people perish. And that Hebrew word for perish doesn't mean they die. It means they slowly, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a verb that has the idea of continuation. So it, you just start perishing. You see what happens when you don't have a vision? You're like the banana. You're still usable, even if it's banana nut bread. That's how you hide the perishing. You gotta mix it up and put some nuts in it. A lot of you that's your that's your that's who you're operating with. You got a cake with a bunch of nuts and you're trying to get somewhere. Come on. But you see, you perish day by day from a lack of vision. Andy Stanley said this a clear vision along with courage. You gotta have courage. To follow through dramatically increases your chances of coming to the end of your life, looking back with a deep abiding satisfaction and thinking, I did it. I succeeded. I finished well. My life counted. What could be greater than that? My life counted. I know some of you are trying to take a picture of that quote, so let's put it back up. I saw cameras going up, so let's just put it up there. Got it? Just leave it up for a minute. Just leave it up until we're done. I know that there are things that are going to be birthed out of you that you don't even imagine. 
There are going to be things birthed out of this, visions that are going to come that we're never going to hear about. But that's okay. As long as you experience it, that's what counts. As long as you look back on life and you say, I did it, I succeeded. It might seem small on the global scale, but for me, it was the tallest building in the world. Amen? Let's stand together. to take you back to that blanket. Remember the blanket? I want you right now, just for a moment, we're not going to take long to do this, but I want you right now, I want you to imagine that God is, is just dropping a warm blanket on you right now. He's bringing physical healing to you. Just receive the warmth that comes from that blanket. It comes from His hand. Dash dreams and broken hearts. You're receiving warmth and healing from that blanket that comes from God. And when you feel like you're just part of a group, I want you to know that God takes that blanket, He wraps it around you, and He says, I want you to experience security and warmth from my hand. Be healed in Jesus' name. Receive from Him what He has for you. Receive the joy from your Father, the healing from your Father, the warmth, the love, and the acceptance from your Father. We give you praise this day, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hey, guys, as you go out today, there's going to be an opportunity for you to be a part of uh, the Link Leader Training if you'd like to, but also there's an opportunity for you to sign up for the Vision Conference. There'll be some people in the front uh, lobby area. You can also do it on your app. If you haven't downloaded the Influence Church app, do that. And uh, God bless you. Come back next Sunday. Bring someone with you. And it's going to be a great day. God bless you. In Jesus' name.